License 26099E. SmartSense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit SmartAirAustin.com. The Todd and Oz Show is live. Get in on the conversation at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Todd and Oz. 705 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Yeah, you can jump in at 512-836-0590. Today is the memorial service for that uh, that Georgia college student, the nursing student that was taken from us at the hands of an evil, illegal alien. What a waste. Who came to this country, and uh, today they're saying goodbye to her. Let's... Let's get a full report from uh, Woodstock, Georgia, where the memorial is going to take place. Let's listen in live. Sad. It's tragic. Um, you'd like to think that especially a spot on campus like that would be um, safe for a person to run um, on their own. She did everything right. Like it's, it just really is a tragic situation. Riley's obituary says her smile was infectious and she spread joy everywhere she went. ICE says Riley's accused killer, Jose Ibarra, came into the U.S. illegally in 2022. Riley's death has created a lot of controversy on immigration. Just a few days ago, protesters repeatedly interrupted the Athens mayor during a press conference on the city's safety and immigration. The protesters want the mayor to resign over how the city handles migrants. Former President President Donald Trump was at the border yesterday. He slammed President Biden over immigration issues and said he spoke with Riley's devastated parents. What he is doing is just unbelievable. Joe Biden will never say Lake and Riley's name, but we will say it and we will remember it. We're not going to forget her. It's been just a horrible story that we've had to live with for the last few days. A fundraiser in Riley's name has raised over $170,000 so far. Her family says that they promise to honor her life in a very big way. Back to you guys. There you go. Live from Woodstock, Georgia this uh, this morning. Hey, you can jump in at 512-836-0590. Uh, some breaking news. Uh, Joe Biden's going to hold a press conference on Lake and Riley. Is he? No, no, I'm just No, kidding. that's not going to happen? He, he doesn't care. No, no, no. no. I, I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Donald Trump had called the family, but Joe Biden has not. That's, that, right. that says a lot. It says it speaks volumes. And let's not forget that, uh, you know, in the wake of George Floyd, mm. Biden's kneeling and groveling and pandering, uh, tweeting about it, the White House tweeting about it incessantly. Inflaming a country. That's right. But n- when it comes to a, a, an innocent young woman murdered by a man who had no business being here, do you think that this story makes college-age students think twice about who they voted for? Do college-age students, are they even aware? I mean, they're voters, right? I'm surely they're aware of the big stories that, that America's facing, right? Surely they are. They're going to a university. They got some level of smarts. Does this story change their opinion about the border issue? It should. It may on that campus. It should. Does it on the University of Texas campus? Does it know just among the college crowd? Uh, jump in at 512-836-0590. I've seen, uh, I want to say it was on the University of Georgia campus where it might have been Fox. I went over there and kind of interviewed some of the students asking them, hey, you know, were you aware of the border situation? And a lot of them, they were like, no, I actually didn't realize things were bad down there. 
Most okay, people so you have no idea. Most people aren't. Yeah, most so. people on uh, in this city just not aware of it because mm-hmm. they don't keep track of the stories. They keep track of the news and, and how it affects them. Either yeah. that, or it's that willful ignorance where they they know how bad it is, but they don't care because it's just it's not a concern to them as they see it. It is uh, seven oh eight, and I want to give a shout out to uh, friends and family that live out in the hill country. You folks that live in rural America. I'm not talking big city living. I'm talking rural America. You know, right next to the suburbs, just a little bit further out. Yeah. You know, our friends that live in Liberty Hill, uh, where else? Burnett. Lano. Lano. Yeah. All across the hill country are Fredericksburg friends. And then the other side, you got folks that live out in Bastrop, that sort of thing. This is what MSNBC and a couple of new authors of a new book think about you. Rule America. Uh-oh. This is what they think about you. This doesn't sound good. This may be what your friends and family and co-workers who uh, only watch MSNBC think about you. Joining us now, professor of political science at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, Tom Schaller, and journalist and opinion writer Paul Waldman. Their new book, Out Tomorrow, is entitled White Rural Rage, The Threat to American Democracy. And Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, Why are white rural voters a threat to democracy at this point? You would think, as we pointed out, looking at Joe Biden's background and Donald Trump's, that, that the opposite would be true. I mean, we lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the country. First of all, and we show 30 polls and national studies to demonstrate this. We provide the receipts in chapter six. They're the most racist, xenophobic, anti-immigrant, and anti-gay geodemographic group in the country. Second, they're the most conspiracist group. QAnon support and subscribers, election denialism, COVID denialism, and scientific skepticism, Obama birtherism. Third, anti-democratic sentiments. They don't believe in an independent press, free speech. They're most likely to say the president should be able to act unilaterally without any checks from Congress or the courts or the bureaucracy. They're also the most strongly white nationalist and white Christian nationalist. And fourth, they are most likely to excuse or justify violence as an acceptable alternative to peaceful public discourse. So you mentioned a lot of yeah. negative factors yeah. about about this. this. Yeah, there you like go. Like all those white kids in the Antifa riots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I'll... Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Can you imagine if if a if a t- if a news outlet went out there and they said they just flip the demographic there and say you know switch white with black and and talk about how the this demographic is is the most dangerous voting demographic in the nation and here's why we there would be I mean calls for a town square execution at that point but doesn't seem to be a problem you know if you want to throw it our way. That's some highly offensive BS right there. That's obnoxious. Oh, hey, Tom, white people. Oh, Tom and Paul, the book authors, railing on uh, rural America. They don't like that's, it. That's all Tom, like Tom and Paul. Tom and Tom, Paul. Tom, hey, Tom and Paul. We'll see you on the playground. 7.15 here on the Todd and Oz Show. It's a prominent Austin businessman and founder of the Continental Automotive Group, or CAG. Arrested just yesterday on charges of felony arson and uh, in a state jail felony offense of burglary. We're talking about Dorsey Brian Hardiman. He's 75 years young and is accused of starting a fire at downtown Austin building uh, this past Sunday. It's according to the police report. Uh, KXAN and others are, are working to find, uh, you know, uh, who, who's representing Hardiman. Uh, I don't think that's been, been determined yet. Well, this police report says the Austin Fire Department responded to a building fire at the former Mellow Johnny's Bike Shop. This is at uh, the 400 block of Nueces Street. 
and, and once the fire was contained, fire investigators determined the incident to be uh, incendiary and found metal shavings on the ground floor. In other words, somebody started it. There was an arsonist on the premises that sparked the fire. Uh, the affidavit states that five fire investigators uh, watched videos and surveillance of the building, which showed an older man entering the building with red uh, a red container, uh, like a plastic jug, if you will, like a, like a gas can. Uh, multiple cameras inside the building show the man pouring the liquid uh, from the red container and dropping uh, multiple matches on the ground. And records show the man arrived at that location in a white four-door Mercedes SUV. Now, investigators interviewed the owner of Mellow Johnny's Bike Shop, uh, who told the Austin Fire Department Hardeman was the owner of the property next door and uh, had previously asked about purchasing the property at 400 Oasis Street. Well, investigators learned that Hardeman was identified as a person of interest in a second arson investigation incident five days prior on uh, February the 20th. Now, witnesses in that case was uh, was provided photographs from a surveillance video that showed with 100% certainty uh, that the vehicle belonged to Hardeman. Investigators believe the photo showed the same person coming out of that building with a red container. Uh, CAG has six car dealerships in the Austin area, including Mercedes-Benz dealership, as well as uh, two dealerships in uh, San Juan and one in Dallas. And according to Travis County Records, uh, bond has been set at $40,000 and $10,000 on the burglary charges. This guy's wealthy, and he's old. He's he's elderly. And uh, and I guess the defense is he didn't know what he was doing. Well, th- there there are some people out there on uh, on social media who are kind of coming to his defense saying, you know, it, he's actually got uh, dementia issues, uh, as it were, and may not actually uh, know what he's doing. Uh, it turns out, uh, bad memory. Because, you know, you got to wonder, after all these years being a successful businessman, all of a sudden you just turn into a fire bug and start randomly setting buildings on fire. Maybe there is... I, mean, I would want to know, like, why would you, why all of a sudden you just go and set stuff on fire? Why is his family allow him to drive a car? Well, it sounds to me like uh, if that was a concern, perhaps he, he maybe should have had a little more familial supervision. I mean, you know, I know that. Yeah, it, it's, it, if that is the story, yeah, this old man doesn't know what he's doing and he's setting buildings on fire. Why is the family let him drive? Take his keys away. He, he, uh, the keys are being taken away now. Well, now, for sure. And bond has been set too low. Bond has been set way too low. He's accused of sparking two building fires in a very short period of time in five days. Yeah. And Bond is set very low. You only have to come up with 10%. This guy's very wealthy. The family's very wealthy. Mm-hmm. I, I, if they do let him out, he definitely needs an ankle monitor. And oh, he, no doubt. And he needs his driver's license taken away. He can't Absolutely. drive anymore. Yeah, he should remain under constant supervision. $40,000 uh, bond for that arson charge, $10,000 on a, on a burglary charge. I, I would imagine somebody in his position being a businessman, like and owning auto, you know, dealerships across Texas, he could probably come up with that pretty easily. I just find it hard to believe that uh, dementia led to this. I've never heard of that kind of scenario. Have you? I mean, have you? I mean, I mean, I don't have family members that have, you know, gone through that. You know, close to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I honestly, I don't have enough personal firsthand experience with dementia, but. Uh, you know that that is sort of the argument being made that you know his his memory is going bad, his brain's kind of going south on him, and uh, he didn't know what he was doing. I don't know how well that's going to hold up in court, and let's say it does, and and uh, uh, may, he may still never end up back home again. I may maybe not may not finish out his days in a jail cell, but I mean he could yeah. he could very well end up in a you know a place that you know uh, for uh, 
the elderly with dementia. Well, anybody that's been around a long time in this city, they know who this family is. Oh, yeah. They've done business with them. Continental, right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very well known. Uh, listen, you can jump in here at 512-836-0590. I don't think he should be prosecuted whatsoever. And in fact, I think they should just uh, drop all the charges. Really? Hang with me now. Okay. With my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. All right. Isn't that the same excuse that they gave Joe Biden about not prosecuting? That he was too old and, 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 and he would just be a sympathetic old man. Same excuse. Fair enough. You know, if, if it's good enough for uh, the elder Biden, why not good enough for the elder Hardiman? Definitely good enough for the, the car salesman, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like... Uh, Let him go. Yeah. Yeah, the, the precedent has been set <laughs> from the very top top yeah. turnbuckle. Right? I mean, that's am I right? I mean, that's now that the precedent has been set for your president, all old people should be freed from jail. Yeah, yeah, because well, am I right? As long as they're sympathetic, you know, and and that they're, they're you know that sympathy that that they could garner could would be enough to sway a jury. Yeah. All right, jump in at five one two. Eight three six zero five nine. The good news: nobody was hurt. Thank goodness. In those two fires. Thank goodness. Listen, uh, just over the past month alone, the Travis County District Attorney candidate Jeremy Silistine has raised, or rather, raised and spent one point two million dollars. If you spent any time at home uh, over the past couple of days, you've seen the commercials. Yeah, big time. Yeah, especially the one with uh, Ms. Isaac, who was who was assaulted, had her leg broken. Uh, that, that's a real power. We played the audio on that yesterday. This is a yeah. real powerful one. Yeah. Uh, I was home yesterday. My wife had a new hip. Uh, got a new hip yesterday. Okay. My wife's got new hips. All right. Isn't that great? Brand new. Good to go. Got a lot of guys listening right now, man. I wish the wife had new hips. <laughs> but uh, she got to stay home with her and, and, and saw a bunch of uh, these TV ads. Well, anyway, uh, Jeremy Silestine, the challenger in the uh, Democrat primary for Travis County District Attorney, has raised and spent $1.25 million in just the past month outpacing the incumbent Jose Garza big time. Celestine, a prosecutor turned defense attorney, was uh, was seen as a long-shot candidate when he entered the race uh, on the day of the filing deadline. His most recent campaign finance report shows that he's built up a significant momentum in recent months, though it remains to be seen, uh, you know, how that could translate to, uh, you know, Election Day. It's a very left-leaning, uh, progressive city. And yeah. if you live downtown, you're going to vote for Jose Garza. Well, yeah, and, and there's been a, a big mobilization uh, from the, the, the Garza camp and, and his, his little lackeys over there, including some of in the Austin Council, who are, are, I think, I believe, absolutely terrified of Jeremy Silestine. So they're pushing really hard right now to, to kind of score a couple of points. Daniel Betts, he's there, too. Daniel Betts is he's there. He's a Republican. Uh, he's on the Republican side. Silestine's uh, uh, February the 26th campaign finance reports, which covers January the 26th through February 24, has raked in two, uh, 1.265. Uh, $1,265,000. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. And now in the same report, Garza's campaign had reported $204,000 in contributions and $137,000 in expenditures. His campaign had $133,000 on hand. And, and the reason this is important is this is how you win political races on the local level. Whoever spends the most ad money, that's it translates into votes. That's right. It, well, and to be honest with you, when you you know, based on, on on all the things that we've heard about about Jose Garza and the way he runs his office there, um, you know, the ads when you look at the two, the Celestine ads are very impactful, mm. and then you know the, the the other one, Jose, his his main focus, hey everybody, look at my glasses and and this trumped up, you know, a conviction rate that I've got that, that you know because I cooked all my books, uh, I. I 
Now, uh, Gorgeous' campaign that, that I've seen so far in his commercials has been, vote for me because MAGA is racist. That's right. That's right. In fact, he even came out in one of his uh, campaign flyers, I think, and it says he's being trolled by, or, uh, you know, online MAGA trolls are after him or something like that. Yeah. He, he definitely, it, it, he, he made it very clear in 2019 what he was going to do, who he was. That's still who he is. He uh, really just has destroyed the public safety, uh, the, the, the legal system here. And yeah. and really looks at everything through the through the wrong prisms. Sure, through the absolute incorrect prisms that just are a complete detriment to our, our he, city, our county. He was part of the defunding. He was part of the reimagining of public safety. He calls it restorative justice. Right. That's what they call it. Uh, well, here's uh, just a few reasons why you should uh, vote for Jeremy Celestine. Garza let Santos Celos Flores who was awaiting an aggravated trial for participating in the gang rape of a 13-year-old girl. Let this dude out on a $40 bond. And while out on bond, Celos Flores molested two more girls. Children. Of course he did. That's why you should vote against Jose Garza. That alone should be enough. Here's another reason. Hillary Andrando's bond was lowered to just $1 after Garza failed to bring his aggravated assault to a grand jury on time. And shortly after his release, he brutally attacked an innocent bystander in downtown Austin, stabbing someone to death. That's right. There's another reason why you should vote for Jeremy Silistine. Here's another reason. Richard Williams brutally raped his ex-girlfriend at knife point for two hours while strangling and beating her. Garza cut a deferred adjudication plea with Williams, meaning he was released after just 90 days in jail without anything on his record. How about that? Wow. Killed somebody and yeah. was able to walk away from it with nothing on the record. How about that? Sounds like justice to me, right? Garza released Darian Reese, who had a charge of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He pistol-whipped a woman. Let him out on a personal recognizance bond, a PR bond. And just weeks after his release on bond, Reese committed a murder at the same house where he pistol-whipped a woman. This is just a few stories on why you should vote against Jose Garza and consider somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's very clear this is not a safer city. He uh, he told uh, I think it was I think it was Ki yesterday. Uh, they had a story with him, and he's you know kind of whining and moaning because oh, this is just a bunch of MAGA Republican narrative that that this isn't a safe city. We actually are the fifteenth safest city according to Forbes. He was using data from 2021, and that was from last year's list. We're not even anywhere on that list, but they're clinging for dear life to this Forbes article, uh, Garza and all his, yeah. all his friends. Well, when Garza took office, one of the first things he did, uh, Garza abolished the DA division that sorted out cases. And as a result, today there are 7,000 pending cases, pending felony cases uh, in the district attorney's office that have been uh, failed to be processed. He does this on purpose, you know, to allow them to expire, and then you got to let them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, he's, I mean, he's playing a very dangerous game, dangerous for us. Uh, I, I think it's very, he's obviously scoring all kinds of political points with the right people on his side. Len Isaac, you've seen the commercials on TV, survived a brutal attack while running in Travis Heights. She solved her own case through the Next Door uh, app. Uh, trusted the DA's office with the prosecution, and then she was shocked to learn that her attacker got probation and no jail time. You've seen the story of her, where she fought her attacker, broke her leg in the process. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, using the Nextdoor app, there was at least six or seven other women and children that have been victimized by this dude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. LaShonda Lemons, she was beat so badly by her partner that she lost her baby. 
Yeah, the DA's office got the case and lowered the charge to aggravated assaults, a lesser offense to, uh, well, gave him a deferred adjudication, a punishment that allowed this dude to walk away without a conviction, and the victim completely objected to this deal. Just a few of the reasons why you should vote out your progressive district attorney, Jose Garza. Seven thirty-four here on the Todd and Oz Show. Uh, jump in here at five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Joe Biden on the border yesterday talking about Republicans should get at the table, the bargaining table. Let's solve this crisis. It's pretty interesting, right? The the the, the backbone it takes to to make comments like that consistently uh, is it. I mean. It's impressive sometimes because I, yeah. I, I, all you have to do is look around and know that like the, the guy you're pointing the finger at is not the guy uh, you should be pointing the finger at. Yeah. Well, Joe Biden, uh, he took a trip to the southern border. He went to Brownsville. He went into the outlet mall and ordered a churro. And, uh, and he's calling on Republicans to get back to the bargaining table to uh, vote and approve the Senate border bill. Here's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. When I hear the president and any of the Democrats try to blame the Republicans on that bill, that it was a bipartisan bill. No, it wasn't. It was about four idiot Republican senators and all Democrats who wanted to pass the bill. That was it. Yeah, House Republicans introducing and passing their own legislation to fund more Border Patrol agents, resume wall construction, and restarting the Remain in Mexico policy. The Democrat-controlled Senate is refusing to take up this legislation. Meanwhile, Joe Biden made a stop in Brownsville, and the former president, Donald Trump, went to ground zero, Eagle Pass. Former President Trump visited Eagle Pass, Texas, where Texas National Guard members and state law enforcement are stationed, and where the divide between the federal and state government is growing wider. It's a military operation. I mean, we have a military, this is like a war. Trump touted his immigration policies and pointed to the Biden administration when discussing the recent murder of Georgia college student Lakin Riley. A man believed to be in the U.S. illegally is charged in her killing. The monster that charged, uh, charged in the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked. Trump was joined by members of the Texas Guard and the state's governor, Greg Abbott, who said that Texas will continue to do what he insists the federal government won't in securing the southern border. Unless and until Joe Biden steps up and does his job, that Texas will continue to bust those migrants to sanctuary cities all across the United States of America. Trump called what's happening at the border a Biden invasion. Last year, almost half of all ICE arrests were criminal aliens charged for more than 33,000 assaults, 3,000 robberies, 6,900 burglaries. The president was hundreds of miles away in Brownsville, Texas, where he took a different approach and offered a message to his political rival. Here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, Instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. There was some speculation the president could announce an executive order related to immigration, but he didn't. Instead, he doubled down on his call for Congress to pass a recently failed proposal he believes would fix the surge of migration. With this deal, we could hire 1,500 additional border security agents. 1,500 additional officers and officers. Well, no immediate action was taken at the border, the dueling trips brought attention to what will continue to be a top issue on the campaign trail. I'm Clayton Neville. All right, there you go. You're up to date now on, uh, well, just the, the standoff continues, I guess, right? 
Yeah, and, and and it's infuriating. You know, one thing I'm really tired of hearing is is Biden and all the others use this phrase, this bipartisan border security bill, just because like three, four Democrats went, four Democrats went along, or Republicans went along with it, doesn't make it bipartisan. It 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 it, it, it was a horrible bill. It would have freed up uh, money for fifteen hundred border agents whose sole jobs would be just to process people through as quickly as possible. Mm. Codify into law 8,500 illegal crossings every day before any kind of action would be taken. This was not a border security bill, and it most certainly was not bipartisan. But, you know, it continues to want to point the finger at Republicans. Ain't nobody talking about what's going to happen with these 8 to 10, 12 million illegal aliens living in our country. At some point, the left is going to propose some sort of amnesty. At some point, right? Yeah, that, I think that might be the trump card in, in solidifying that, that brand new electorate that, that's moved in here in recent years. I think Democrats should be asked that question now ahead of the election. Make them answer that question. Yeah. Make, make them answer the question. Ask the Chuck Schumers of the world, should these uh, illegal aliens, these newcomers, should they be given a blanket amnesty? And I think the left would say yes. Absolutely. Most of them would, I believe, at this yeah. point. Make them, make them answer that question now ahead of the election. Now, one of the toughest immigration laws in the country that was passed by the state of Texas uh, has been temporarily blocked by a federal judge here in town. Uh, here's the story from newsman Chris Fox. U.S. District Judge David Ezra issued a preliminary injunction blocking the law from being enforced as a court battle plays out. The law would make it a crime to illegally enter Texas from Mexico, allowing local police to arrest migrants and judges to deport them. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The goal of Senate Bill 4 is to stop the tidal wave of illegal entry into Texas. The U.S. DOJ and the ACLU fought it in court. ACLU attorney David Donati. It is the state of Texas usurping a power Power that belongs to the United States. It will invite racial profiling. Yeah, there you go. That's newsman Chris Fox reporting. Well, uh, you know, I do expect that this will probably be probably be shot down eventually. Um, as as much as I think we need an adult in the room here for the immigration issue for our, our wide open border, and I think that this uh, certainly is is a way to to address it. J- David Ezra, the judge there, for one, from uh, from what I've heard in the courtroom, almost smirked. Uh, in sort of, you know, opposition to even the idea of Texas doing this. He says, you know, it'll suffer grave and irreparable harm. The federal government will because all these other border states will follow our lead here in Texas and we'll have a patchwork of immigration laws. Well, we don't have an immigration law that's working for us now, so what's so wrong with that? If we have a patchwork, but they all they all four work or, you know, however many different, you know, frameworks, what, what would be so bad with that? I guess this goes, uh, this could go up to the state Supreme Court and then on to the Supreme Court, right? I, I expect it will. Yeah. I expect it will. It would, be, it would be nice if it stands. I mean, at the same time, and you've argued this point as well, uh, it, it wouldn't need a law like this if we actually, actually close the border down, lock things down, secured things. Judge Ezra says it's basically said it's illegal to enforce the law. 746 here on the Todd and Oz Show. Listen, two former Williamson County deputies, they're back in court today as day five of a manslaughter trial continues. James Johnson and Zach Camden, they're accused of causing the death of Javier Ambler back in 2019, who fled from them uh, as they tried to pull him over. Uh, 22 minutes later, after a high-speed chase uh, that uh, ended in Travis County, he crashed. He was tased, and and he died. And, uh, and an episode uh, was of, of live PD was being filmed at the time. Uh, but Williamson County Sheriff's Office Assistant James David said that had no impact on the decision to tase Ambler, who was not cooperative. 
And uh, and apparently fought and struggled with the police. He did. It's good uh, to be with you. Yeah, uh, they're on the scene. Hang on a second. Here we go. All right, we're good now, Patrick. Here we go. We conduct traffic stops the way we conduct traffic stops. Just because the camera's in the car doesn't change that. Well, the deputies tried to pull Ambler over in Round Rock uh, for not uh, dimming his headlights. And the defense says he ran because he had an active warrant for his arrest. And if convicted, Johnson and Camden could face up to 20 years in prison. Uh, they found a bunch of other stuff inside uh, Ambler's car, too. A bunch of cell phones and some other stuff. And Yeah, yeah th- that report reminds me a lot of what we heard of that guy, Mike Ramos, you know, after after uh, his his run-in with the standoff of the Austin Police Department, and he ended up being shot when he tried to run away. Uh, and, and from what I understand, there, were, there was a lot of stolen stuff and license plates and stuff like that in his car, too. So, you know, yet another street hustler here. Did, uh, did they do a toxicology? On him, I mean, is there anything like that? He said he had heart heart issue. He couldn't breathe, and yeah, handcuffed and tased, and apparently that was just too much for him. I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure if if there was anything in his system, to be honest with you. But I do know he was he weighed about 400 pounds. He's a big fella. Wow. You know, I wouldn't say he was in the best of shape. Uh, here's a guy that all the all the deputies wanted to do was pull him over because he didn't dim his headlights in Round Rock. He led them on a 22 and a half minute chase into Austin, where he crashed. Um, and what the, the prosecution acts like the deputies are what supposed to just uh oh thank you for finally pulling over mr uh mr ambler sorry you wrecked your car would you please would you mind stepping out of the car we'd like to speak with you now that you've led us on a 22 and a half minute chase of course not they're going to throw him on the ground they're going to tase him they're going to do what they have to do to get the handcuffs on him and how many times a a, a week you think a cop who's uh you know, you know or hears Oh, I can't breathe, or I, I, I've got, I've, I've got heart problems, or, or, or I've got health problems. And it's all just a bunch of nonsense because they don't want to get arrested. Another one of those stories. If he would have just pulled over and got a ticket and went on his way, yeah. Although- or, or if he had the warrant for his arrest, he would have gone to a Travis County jail, and this DA would have let that guy out. Yeah, yeah. In it, Travis County, sounds to me like uh, all of this could have been avoided. All you had to do is be a grown adult about it and not run. Now, he did, uh, from from the reports we've heard, have some of that stolen or what, what appeared to be stolen stuff inside the car with him. So, you know, maybe he would have he ran because of that, too. I'll be honest with you. From the get-go, well, not from the get-go. At the very beginning, I thought the live PD thing was going to be kind of fun to watch, similar to uh, the show Cops, mm-hmm. right? It's entertaining. Sure. Right. But I watched that first episode, and immediately I saw something in the face of one of the deputies where, to me, it appeared he was performing. He remembered the cameras are on and smiles, and he gets back to what he was doing, talking uh, talking to a suspect. That very first episode was a red flag for me. Yeah. And and, and I thought, oh, this is not going to be good. This is going to be – this is different than cops and how they film and edit. Mm -hmm. Live PD is live. And you're going to see something that might be – well, that the community might uh, construe in a different way. They may paint Williamson County deputies in a bad light. And you got that here. Now, and now two of those deputies are now former deputies, and they're on trial facing 20 years in prison for manslaughter. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to say these two men did oh, anything wrong that night. I, mean, I was being critical of live PD. No, I know, but I'm saying yeah. what, you know, one ultimately led this, this was the outcome yeah. by, by, by choosing to go with live PD in the first place. Yeah. And and I know that Williamson County commissioners were, were not really on board with this from the get go. There were a lot of people that said, kind of like you, listen, there are a lot of problems that you, this could open up. And, uh, but at the same time, I, I don't believe that either of these men, are guilty of manslaughter. What else were they supposed to do? How else would you handle a situation like that where you're trying to pull someone over? 
22 and a half minutes. For all you know, he's got a pistol on him. He may have a hostage. Yeah, or, or a hostage or, or anything. He, he drunk or out of his mind. He's going to kill somebody. we got to stop him. But, of course, our DA says, no, 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 no. You need to pat him on the back and thank him kindly for finally bringing his car to a crashing halt. The worst thing would have happened that night if he just pulled over, they would have seen he had a warrant for his arrest and he would have gone to jail. That's it. He, and, he, and he would be out today. Oh, absolutely. And still alive, most importantly. Because, you know, a family lost somebody. But <laughs> it absolutely could have been avoided. It is uh, 752. Uh, you could jump in on that story if you wanted. 512-836-0590. Uh, Jerry is in North Austin. Wants to weigh in on this story about uh, Judge Ezra here in town that's blocked SB4. That bill that would allow local police to arrest illegal aliens and lock them up. Uh, Jerry, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, so what te- what Abbott in the state of Texas needs to do is just follow a page out of the Biden playbook. Don't obey the law. That's an unjust law. I mean, and, and it, why should one activist judge get to block a ruling that could help protect the people of Texas, if not the rest of the United States? The Democrats do it all the time. If there's a law that they don't like, they just don't obey it, be it sanctuary cities, be it shoplifting, be it having to testify in front of a grand jury. If they don't want to obey it, they don't, and there's no repercussions. So we need to we need to play by their same set of rules, or we're going to continue to keep losing day in, day out. And you know what, Jerry? You're right, but it pisses me off that you're right, that we're at that point where you got to do a tit for tat, Yeah. right? It just, it just pisses me off that we're at that point. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and all this could be uh, avoided too. If uh, you know, long time Joe Biden's been blaming the Democrats, and then the other day we heard all of a sudden he's miraculously talking about, well, maybe I'd maybe I'll do an executive order, which you could have done all along, all along. Uh, so yeah, you're right. We, there are a lot of things that could have could have been done, could probably still be done to fix this. Stop what you're talking about, but I think you're right. We're we're, we're unfortunately at that point. Seven fifty three. Listen, Austin's Housing Finance Corporation. They've approved another round of funding for uh, some low-income housing units. What's a low-income housing unit? Is that an apartment complex that we build and then subsidize? Often, yes. Often, sometimes outright buy. Okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's an apartment complex that, that, is, that could be already there, mm-hmm. owned by somebody else, and then we just subsidize the rent? Yes. Yeah. That would, right. that would be part of it through vouchers, that's, things like that. That's one avenue, that, that, that how they spend that money. Mm-hmm. Housing Finance Director uh, Jamie May says $50 million will be put towards multiple developments across various council districts. That equates to approximately 1,000 new or preserved affordable housing units uh, in the city. We're also uh, recommending affording uh, developments in six different council districts. That's the council districts 1, 2, 3, and 7, 8, 9. Yeah, it's got to spread it, right? Got to spread it around. They, yeah, they said they were going to do that. Yeah. you know. Well, they, the units will be made available for people who are uh, at or below 80% of the median family income. Which is how much? What is the median family income? Let me look that up real quick. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, the Austin City Council Finance Corporation has approved the $50 million of construction, renovation of affordable housing units. Looks like the uh, median family income, it says here, for Austin is 109 whereas the median household income is only about eighty six five. Okay. Uh, so, you know, 80% or below that. How do you solve a an affordability crisis with an open border. You, well, you don't. These are things you can't solve, especially uh, as uh, more you know, people flood over and they just they, they start taking a lot of the housing. And, and, and just a heads up, uh, for everybody else that's paying rent for an apartment, your rent will go up as a result of this. 
Oh, yeah, you won't be immune to this. Uh, if you think it's bad now, just wait. Yeah. We're going to be looking like San Francisco, Boston, New York. Well, every district deserves a little bit of Section 8 housing. That's right. Hey, got to spread the pain, right? That's that's what the council said before. Years ago, the city said we've got to get these low-income developments in every single council district. The Todd and Oz Show, weekday mornings 5 to 10 on News Radio KLBJ. License 26099E. Smart Sense, brought to you by Smart Air Heating and Cooling. Right now, you can save up to $3,400 on a new comfort system. Whether your furnace is no longer working like it used to, or you want to get ahead of the summer heat, it's time to call the expert heating and cooling technicians at Smart Air. Call now and take advantage of this smart offer from Smart Air. Call 512-600-4311. That's 512-600-4311. Or visit smartairaustin.com.